0: Listening to the EuroFO Radio network and this is the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock show with your host Andrew Carrington Hitchcock
1: hello everybody it 's been an interesting day so far today, I generally do the American Free Press issue this week 's current issue with Dave Gahari. Unfortunately, I got a message earlier that Dave was ill, uh, so i didn 't know whether to run another show. Uh, Dave kindly sent me a copy of uh, the paper. And uh, every cloud has a silver lining, because when I started off my show, uh, my most popular guest was Paul English, who's the station manager of Eurofolk Radio. With one thing and another, we just haven't been able to do any shows of late. Uh, Paul's been very busy. Um, But today I got hold of him, and he's got an hour free. And so we're actually recording this literally an hour and a half before it's going to be broadcast. So, Paul, are you with me?
0: I'm with you, Andrew. Yeah, good to be here.
1: Yeah, and uh, the listeners probably recognise that it's Paul's voice on the intro and the outro music as well. So thanks for that, and thank you so much for you know jumping in and saving me today because I really wanted to run the AFP show. But um, you've had a look at the you know the paper as well because I've I've sent you a copy. Um, but basically, it's. It's a bit difficult to, to do just as a, as an individual and just read through. It's better to have two of you and commenting. So, I mean, on that basis, we've got the first uh, page one, and there's an article by John Friend called Obama's Ghetto Plan, and that's also referred there's another article that's similar by kevin jackson on page seven called turning america into one massive ghetto and it's all to do with their you know, housing uh, they talk about the housing and urban development that's hard um, and what they're trying to do it says here using race income and other social data from the u.s census federal bureaucrat bureaucrats will be allowed to interfere with local zoning policies in order to implement their radical egalitarian agenda effectively, resha- effectively reshaping neighborhoods to match their utopian vision of multiculturalism and there is nothing local residents can do about it what's your thoughts on this sir paul
0: yes a utopian vision eh <laughs> where have we heard that before um uh, it's difficult to know exactly what parallels we've got with the states with, with over here, but uh, uh, you know, what's the first the first impact, uh, as John Friend addresses in, in his article, and obviously here as I'm just scouring was this from Kevin's article that you were just quoting? No,
1: that was actually from John's, uh, it's just... Right, uh,
0: okay I was just looking at both of them as we go around but, uh, yeah, turning America into one massive ghetto, well you know, that's been a process ever since, what's it uh... A, Coined the um, the melting pot. Yeah, the fourth busting and the Zangwill or whatever his name was. that oh, yeah, one, extremely yeah. handsome looking Jewish gentleman. Um, and of course, this is this is that program. What one hundred years later, uh, yeah. and being manifest. I mean, it's interesting that uh, I, I know here at the beginning of John's article, he's saying uh, in a welcome victory for conservative values, the House of Representatives voted in favour of an amendment that would have killed one of the worst examples of this administration. Then for later on, it says, however, just as AFP went to press, the amendment was defeated due to stiff opposition from liberal Democrats, whatever they may be. Well, I think we know what they are. And spineless Republicans. So it's these subtle, almost boring little events, isn't it, within politics that often underpin these terrible changes and this sort of idiocy. So... Utopia? I don't think so. Um, I'm sure most American white folk won't think it's a utopia. I mean, is Detroit, Andrew,
1: classed as a utopia in America? What do you think? Well, I mean, absolutely. And I think that that's referred to as well in the in the other article. And, I mean, you had that guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just see what's happened there. Uh, it says in the other article, the effect, the side effect of white people... This is the Kevin Jackson article on page 7. The side effect of yep. white people leaving is that many of our cities have failed. The inmates were now running the asylum and they were giving away the farm. With no tax base, cities were mostly left with unemployed crackheads and thus can't balance the books. That is when Democrats like Ray Nagin, Quam Kilpatrick... Marion, Barry et al. were not actually cooking the books. And I remember there was a um uh you know who was it? The uh, there's an American stand up comedian who presented the Oscars this this year and he used to do a lot of jokes about Marion Barry uh smoking crack and all that and this was all admitted and he, he was filmed doing it. Um so uh yeah, I mean all these people in, in the they get given these power and, and you just look at what detroit was i mean detroit was where you know henry ford built his factory and it was a a beautifully well built up city and you look at what it is now and and it's very similar parallel to looking at areas of south africa what they were like under white rule and what then the ghettos they've turned into under black rule
0: yeah it's exactly the same pattern over and over um i notice here that in the kevin jackson article there's this picture of this grinning goofball. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Barack Obama's secretary of... I wonder what this is like, by the way, Andrew, for Americans hearing two English guys analyse the American framework. Oh,
1: I thought about it, that, It's actually. quite odd. It's probably yeah. a
0: bit quirky, really, isn't it? I mean, cause much of this is new to me in terms of going, obviously, through today's issue. But, I mean, just going back to this picture, what his secretary of housing, that's Obama, and urban development is a chap called Julian Castro. And he thinks that the suburbs are too affluent... And too white. Well, of course they are. He, he and the Democrats have this odd notion, the caption goes on, that somehow proximity to law-abiding whites will somehow change the behaviour of inner-city thugs. Well, the Detroit issue would kind of prove that that's not the case, wouldn't it?
1: Don't you think? Oh, exactly. But um, facts have never got in the way of liberal thinking, have they? Or rather Jewish thinking. I don't know whether we could
0: even classify it as thinking, really. It's a sort of mental disorder, isn't it, really? It's people who are permanently in denial of actuality and they just... You know, they're just not really interested in things like truth and stuff That might and evidence is really irritating to these people. I think you can sort of tell by the inane, grinning look on this
1: yeah. idiot's um,
0: face. I mean, he's just sort of off in space cadet world. They all kind of look like that, don't they?
1: And, it's, and I um, can't work out his... I, I mean, I'm presuming he's sort of like Filipino or something, his face, but it could be a real sort of Heinz 57 Cuban? there. with a name like Castro? What do you yeah. think, Cuban? Must be. yeah. It's it's very strange features, but the sort of person you'd expect to be in, um, you know, the American government now with, uh, you know, the black Jew Obama in charge. And, uh, of course, they've got all sorts of, you know, different ethnic minorities in these positions of power that they've got no business and no skills in, in managing. I just think you
0: can't hand over, no one can hand over their civilization to another group. You know, if we if we were to say that the Chinese civilization is reasonably advanced, let's assume that it is. I don't think in certain parts it is, but say around Peking. And, you know, we're not particularly stupid people, but there's no way we would be able to take over and handle the, uh, the government of Peking um, because we would lack that nuance. We wouldn't know really all the sort of value systems and the foundations on which it had been built. You know, what was of real... In a value to the Chinese people, so we shouldn't be like anywhere near it. Well, it's the same with this; they can't hand this over to these people. I often feel as though they're viewing these things as like a toy. You know, wow, look at all this fantastic civilization that's being built up. It's wrong that the guys that actually built it should keep on running it. Um, you know, we need diversity, but of course, that's not what you know. That's hijacking that word, is it not? It's not diversity that they're creating. It's actually it's sublimating diversity. The natural diversity that occurs between races in different regions of the world is basically turned into one big, pooly muddy mass of ill-defined and poorly defined people who don't know, you know, whether they're coming or going, really.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's, um, it's amazing what is going on. And, I mean, the way I would... Um, reflect it to the UK do you remember that the the Labour Party put something through when they were in power that all new developments had to have social housing in it Um, and you know that was a a basis of preventing people from staying with with people of like mind and the trouble with this social housing is invariably they they try and sell it to you as you're going to have you know police and nurses and you know, people in the public services living there because, you know, they don't get as paid as much as people in uh, private firms, whereas now it's kind of the opposite. Um, the private firms are laying people off left, right and centre and the public services seem to be paying people, you know, when you can go to a hospital over here and I know that the Americans will be um, very familiar with our National Health Service because that's always praded out as something amazing that, we get free health care in this country. But when you turn up there now to, to see someone, I mean, most of the people on the desk and the nurses and what have you, they, they literally struggle to speak the English language because they've come over here not very long ago and they immediately get parachuted into a government job. And I even heard stories of um, uh, Afghani- Afghanis and Iraqis that have come over here. And what they do is they give them a taxi... Uh, you know, a car to use as a as a taxi, rather, because they think, well, they don't need to speak the language. All they need is a sat-nav. And then they just type in a postcode, and away they go. But you see, other taxi drivers that are white, British, they don't get given that. But someone that comes in with nothing is basically set up by this Jewish-controlled, uh, politically correct, diverse society that is designed to support... Uh, all other races against and over and above the white race.
0: Yes. I mean, every word that they use is hijacked, isn't it? Yeah. None of them mean really what they're talking about. <clears throat> you know, when they're pushing for so called equality, they're talking about the removal of life because that's what equality equates to the absence of differentiation, which is what life's all about. And then when they talk about diversity, they're not talking about real diversity at all you know communism socialism judaism this wonderfully silly idea this their sort of desperate attempt to create what they say is a utopia is not a utopia of course it's nothing of the sort because it it goes against these basic principles of living the laws the actual real laws of life and uh you know detroit is i was reading some figures earlier what is it it's like an 83 percent black population now in detroit i think um, and, uh, of course, it wasn't always that way. And when you were referring to the era of Henry Ford, it was probably a very well-screwed-together place, I would have thought. And, and that comes out of a a drive by, um, you know, by the, the white people that built and understood what they were doing. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you growing up. I always couldn't understand why my dad, when I was really young, was so responsible about things. It strikes you as being a bit odd, you know, when you're a child, you just want to have fun and... Then as you grow in, you realise that everybody instinctively over here is seeking to, you know, maintain things to a certain order because it makes life that much more valuable and effective and you're making a contribution indirectly to your neighbours. But if you've not got any racial homogeneity, as it were, or things in common with your neighbours, that begins to slowly fray and disappear, and and that's how you break it down. So, um, you know... Obviously, this housing policy is just another step in that process of creating a more compliant, rootless and uh, cultureless people that are much more easy to manipulate um, and be used as tax cows, which is basically, you know, unfortunately, I suppose, the defining characteristic of most of us that live in the so-called West at this moment in time.
1: Yes, and the other thing that comes to my mind is, um, it's just really an observation, but When I went to university, I was up in a place called Sunderland, which is in the northeast of England. Um, And when students were living in student houses, these houses were like terraced houses, but they were very well built. They were sort of Victorian style. They, They held together, whereas you see the new builds they put together back in the 80s and they're falling apart. But these houses just last and last and last. And I was told that, you know, Sunderland used to be a thriving place and, and you know, many, many years before because of the docks and they had a lot of trade, et cetera, up there. And, you know, people were working. There was a big manufacturing base. And that's why you had good quality houses and, you know, people who lived there worked and stuff like that. And that could be reflected in areas like Detroit. And I just imagine, um you know, 60, 70 years ago, uh, a nice family with um, the husband going to work at the Ford factory in Detroit and the wife at home raising you know, many white children. And in the bedroom where those children slept, there's now black crackheads getting high. And when you look yeah. at it like that, I think it's a startling image, but it's one that sticks in my mind.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, it it tends to go that way, doesn't it? Of course, you're not allowed to say that, Andrew. Remember, because you're being a little bit racist there, so you must watch <laughs> it. You know, you can't start evaluating people on the basis of their race. We don't want that, and um, uh, but it does seem to happen more often than not, doesn't it? And uh, we end up getting drawn into sort of it's understandable, I suppose, being slightly critical of these other races and the way that they're behaving in our civilization. If I take a sort of pathetic enlightened view of it (laughs) Um, or try to you could argue and say well look it really doesn't help these people being around us it's actually not good for them Hmm. i mean it generally isn't they're given far too many toys and don't know how they came about it's almost like we we turn ourselves into a sugar daddy yes we build houses yeah trains run on time we do all that and then they well we want to have a go." We only have a go with the train set. Uh, It's not a good idea. Oh, you're being racist. Then they start having a go. Then they drive it into the ground. And then it's our fault for, you know, why did you, you know, it's racist that you didn't train us properly. And there's no end to this process. There's no end to that type of communication. We will always be at fault all the time because, you know, it's even our fault for creating these advanced technologies and structures in the first place because they couldn't comprehend them you know, it's being rude. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's too constricting for us and it's too irritating often for them. It's not, um, it's, it's, I don't want to use the word not fair even though I've just said it because it's such a lame phrase, but it tends to not work as evidence shows, not as rhetoric would have, would have it, not as newspaper rhetoric and these speakers would have it, but evidence shows that that's the case. And um, uh, the the parallel that you mentioned with South Africa is a good point. Uh, even now, you know, I always remember those stories that they were talking about. With um, uh, first of all, the land's not good. Then the white guys come along. They start producing loads of food. Everybody chugs on down there. They like it. Then they want to run it. Then they run it into the ground. And then now they want the white people to come back and run it again. And <laughs> It's because there's no base, really. There's no sort of base drive to actually organise these things. They've been given stuff on a plate. And uh, that's not fair to them, you could say. They shouldn't be given it on a plate because they never... It's a bit like that analogy of we keep giving them fish, but what we really need to do is give them fishing rods. But, of course, after we've given them fishing rods, they need fishing lessons. Then they need lessons in how to maintain the fishing rod. What happens when it breaks? How do you make that spool? How do you make the rod... There's a lot of thought goes into a fishing rod for one that works. So, yes, it's a a domino effect, isn't it? But um, they're not going to give up. Uh, and it's all dressed up in these words, like diversity and quotas and Agenda 21. But it's ultimately, yet again, uh, the destruction of white people and the environments
1: that we've built. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, we wouldn't have a problem with racism... If people stayed in their country of origin, um, this is my point. Now, no. obviously, America, you know, I, I'm referring to whites in white countries, blacks in black countries. Because in the UK, you know, we um, say in London, they make jokes about people in Liverpool. They call scousers. And, and then um, at the same time, uh, people up up in the north of the country, they make jokes about people from London you know, and and, and different things. And, and this is how societies work. And, you know, the uh, Mancunians don't like the Liverpudlians or what have you. And it's only really, it's a ribbing type of technique. It's a way that they use to sort of get humour. And that's something that they're trying to get rid of. I mean, I remember, like, a lot of Welsh people call themselves Taff or Taffy. And um, I was in a job once, and someone called referred to themselves as Taffy, and that's how they introduced themselves. And in some diversity um lecture, they were told that they shouldn't refer to themselves as Taffy because it might upset other Welsh people, even though that was a name that they chose to give to themselves. I mean this so is how what? ridiculous it gets. It and is. It's all about you mustn't upset people. What what does that actually mean?
0: You can't hurt their feelings. Feelings are gonna be given a bit of a pounding, I think. No one no one's got much more patience left for people bleating on about their feelings. They're really boring. Uh, it is. You can't run civilization on the basis of whether you're offensive or people get upset. And, of course, amongst when you're amongst your own race, you know exactly how far to upset someone, don't you? Instinctively. Yeah. You know that there's a line. When you're with other people, you don't know where their internal value system begins and ends and when they're going to pick up a, a brick and throw it at you. It's very difficult to read that. So, uh, and why should you even bother to read it? It's of no real use to either of you. Um, so... Yes, I there was a a thing I was reading the other day. Um, <clears throat> it um, I might it's not very long. Let me just read you a little bit of it. It's actually referring to the UK, but it's completely applicable to what's happening here in the states with this particular story as well. He says uh, already Muslim mosques are being built to be followed by Hindu temples. This in a land that is supposedly a Christian one, and all this just in odd parts of England such as seaports. No. In Coventry, Birmingham, Leeds, Walsall, Nottingham, blah, 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 everywhere, he says. And soon it will be special schools for non-English-speaking Britons, followed by their own hospitals, own libraries, own food supplies, own this and own that. And all this will be granted them by that government, that authority now in power in Britain, which is determined once and for all to smash, brutally, cynically, deliberately, a white folk in a once-white land. And that was written, there's a bit more of it, but I won't go through the rest of it, by a chap called Anthony Jacob, but in 1965. Yeah. And uh, that principle's at play right there. It's to destroy white people in their own white-created cultures. And uh, we know, ultimately, who's behind the back of all that, don't
1: we? Yeah, I mean, again, I I like it when you said that they like to use dressed-up terms like diversity, etc., because it's like the word gay. Um, obviously they thought that sounded better than sodomite, which is how homosexuals <laughs> were referred to. Gosh, I'm had... offended. You've hurt my feelings. <laughs> Stop it. And, and, <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's blatant what I said, but this is, this is how it is. I mean, it's even got that word in, in Scripture. Yeah. yeah,
0: sodomite. Well, gay is a, it's a, it's a lost word. It's a lovely word, you know. Yeah. I don't know if we discussed it before. It. What, what does it mean? <laughs> to me, it used to mean, when I was young... The image was of a carefree, innocent young girl of 14 or 15 in a nice floral dress, happily skipping through a meadow. Call me quaint and lame and old-fashioned, but it, actually that kind of picture warms the cockles of my heart. I think of Jenny Agutter in The Railway Children, which is maybe people here don't know what that film was, but sweet innocence and a happy, natural, carefree delight in life. And, of course, could you put that description to the activities of sodomites, you could not. I mean, there's nothing gay about them. It's all false. You know, we t- you were saying there about words being dressed up. Well, they are people that are dressed up. They are permanently living this lie. I mean... There aren't any articles in AFP
1: about sodomites, Alan, this week. Well, it's know. funny. We've gone off a bit of a tangent, but there you go. But the, the, the reason I've, I've – you kind of brought my mind to it because I hadn't actually written this one down because it was uh, another John Friend article. and I'm trying to get to a few different writers and give them all a little bit of uh, exposure. Sure. But on page 10, and you don't need to scroll down to it, because uh, basically what it's about is this uh, Alabama. It's again a John Friend article. Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore is currently suspended from the bench due to complaints against him by homosexual marriage proponents. Moore and the majority of Alabama citizens do not support the marriage of same sex couples. And Moore has refused to issue marriage licenses for homosexual couples so there you go he's suspended for following you know what uh and what uh his people actually want because it's not what the jewish marxists want um and it's just amazing and it, it sort of um goes on about it refers to uh um the north carolina situation where the bill that they passed there which um was signed into law by Governor Pat McCrory in late March. In response to the passage of the bill, a number of high-profile corporations, including PayPal and Deutsche Bank, announced they would either terminate or reconsider business expansion in the state. Incredibly, many other state and local governments issued travel bans to North Carolina following the passage of this bill. Um, So it goes to show that the... Governments and these Jews in control of the governments have got absolutely no regard for, for the will of the people. And this is how, it's, how you can see now. They, they talk about a democracy. Oh, we've got a democracy. Well, they basically give you two parties to vote for that they both control and tell you that you've got choice. Now, when people come up and say we don't accept this, then I don't, if the majority is saying that they don't want it, then it shouldn't be happening it shouldn't be forced out oh well we have to do it to, to let homosexuals get married i mean it's it's unbelievable and so that their arguments about being a democratic country and what have you just fall on their face because when the will of the people doesn't suit what the jews want they just force it through anyway i mean we referred to the uh, in the first story we referred to the bill had been passed and then it had been rejected by the senate So they're not representing the will of the people at all. No,
0: no. But, of course, that that kind of scam and game has been going on for centuries, I suppose, um, under, you know, countries that present themselves as democratically free, whatever on earth um, pointless observation that might mean. I mean, uh, I would make a statement, I suppose, I don't know if that's the way to describe it, as um, that it's not possible for homosexuals to get married. My view in my own, uh, the way I carry it in my mind and in my heart is this. If, um, if these people who are suffering from, let's put it that way, a psychosexual behavioral disorder, which is degenerative and toxic and does not produce happiness at all, but the uh, pretense of happiness, I mean, basically, sodomy is a hypocrite's sort of bit, but sexual behavior pattern in many ways. There's nothing happy about these people. And, uh, you know, the, the books that have been written on them by sodomites, Uh, revealing the true sordid nature of their lives, the degeneracy, the short-term living, and the sheer misery that they go through, um, is that they should be cured, because this is (laughs) treated with shock. Um, I don't mean it's treated literally with electric shock, I don't know how they cure it, but um, therefore, question, is it possible for two sodomites to get married? No, it's not. Are any of them married? In my world, not. Never. I don't care if they went to a church or a ceremony and somebody wrote a piece of paper and the government says they're married. The government are just a bunch of monkeys. They're not married. And, you know, if any, if I was to be in a personal situation where someone told me that they were, I would tell them that they're not. You know, you're not. Yeah. Here we are. We've got a piece of paper. You've got a piece of paper. You're still not married. You can't be because you have to be a man and a woman to do that. That's what marriage means. You're something else. Um... And well, what have we got over here? I mean, Elton John's been trotted out, hasn't he, as the sort of um, high-tide watermark of sodomite marriage. And then they adopt a little boy. It's revolting and yeah. sick. Exactly. And uh, we're te- we're talking about people who are diseased. They've got a, they're, they're mentally ill, and it manifests as the most depraved sexual behaviour, which kills most of them well before their natural term in life, which you could say, I suppose, is... Natural, or is it unnatural justice? And this guy's doing the right thing. Alabama Chief Justice Roy Morris standing by God's law, you would say, by the actual law, the one that really exists, not the man-made gibberish made up by by utopian-seeking ho-ho Jews.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and I mean, um, we'll jump back now to page three, and I'm not going to go through all the words. It's just to really touch on each article and then... um, You know, if people are interested in subscribing to the American Free Press, they go to AmericanFreePress.net and there's details on there on how to subscribe. I think you can get free issues on the, uh, as an initial inquiry, etc. So it's worth a look. Um, now the headline on this, this is an article by Victor Thorne, who's been on my program. It's US Nuke Waste Disposal Strategy Lacking. With a subheading, experts say America already poisoning water, land, and people with radioactive waste. And um, just uh, in the sort of second paragraph of the article, uh, AFP interviewed Michael Marriott, president of exec- president and executive director of the Nuclear Information and Resource Service, a non-profit nuclear watchdog organisation, and he said, a Fukushima in the US is certainly a real possibility. In fact, right now, there are at least 20 sites in America with the same deficiencies as Fukushima that led to its its catastrophe. So basically, what's, what's being said here, you've got a load of nuclear sites in America that aren't being maintained. Now, how often do we see with this Jewish mindset... But every government comes in and it's always, we have, to, we have to cut costs, we have to cut costs. Even if they borrow money, they're always trying to cut people's wages or any company you work for, they're trying to get less people to do the same work so they can make even more money. And we're starting to see a domino effect here because in a lot of these sort of nuclear organisations that really should be regulated well, you sort of say by the government, but the government are so hopeless, but the, the primary focus of these is to protect the people from the catastrophic effects of uh, this radioactive material getting out. But we get more and more in mean, the situation in the UK, more and more of this outsourcing, privatisation and what have you. And you just need to look at the prison systems over here recently. There's been all sorts of stories of you know, not enough uh, uh, warders, etc., guards to cope with the inmates and there's been riots in various prisons and all this is coming out because they've been privatising the prisons and as soon as that happens uh, the Jew organisation gets control of it and I mean they just turn around and uh, I mean I've I've actually been part of this once I worked in uh, a company And it was, I was only a temp at the time, and it was uh, at Shell, actually, in London, at Waterloo. If people know the London Eye, the big wheel in Waterloo, the building's right behind that. So it's right there by the Thames. And um, they sold off a department that I worked in. Uh, They outsourced it. And the outsourced company took it over, and we were all going to do the same work, but they were going to make two people redundant. So what they basically said, they said, nothing will change, nothing will change. Two people are going to get made redundant, but nothing else will change but of course the remaining work has got to be split amongst the people that are left so they're going to give everyone more work so straight away they're going to make they're going to save on two lots of salaries um, and this is what you see when you see all this decay in um, things like nuclear um, and what have you um, and the example I gave of prisons because these Jewish organisations like Veolia Rothschild owned who did the same with the refuse collections over here um, oh, we're privatizing it. What goes and happens? They just take over the the refuse lorries and the workers that the council already employ, and then your uh, council tax goes up because, of course, you've got to pay their profit margin. But they outsource it because they say private business is more um, it's more reliable. They're more efficient. Well, how can it be more efficient if it's using the exact same infrastructure and either the the exact same staff less any that they choose to make redundant and they have to make a profit? So here, this is what I think um, we're seeing with this nuclear story, nuclear waste story. I'm sorry to, you know, go off on a tangent on it, but the fact is is that uh, for whatever reason, these things are being left to go to rack and ruin, and it just takes, like in not even an earthquake like like had happened in with fukushima you had the tidal wave and what have you but anything could happen one of them could just burst open because it's not being properly maintained it's the same with the. Uh, the nuclear weapons that they have in Dimona, in Israel, uh, that everyone knows the Jews have gotten, but the Jews don't admit it and no one talks about it. Well, the real problem there, folks, is that anyone who has nuclear weapons has to have nuclear weapons inspectors a couple of times a year to make sure that they're being stored securely and there's no leakages that could damage the rest of the world. Because Israel don't admit to having that, then they don't have to have inspectors. So they could be in all sorts of bad shape and could be poisoning all that area and be floating over here. So what's your thoughts on uh, the rack and ruin that seems to be going on these nuclear waste sites and who you would blame for this, uh, Paul? Well, uh, in terms of who to blame or whatever, I don't
0: quite know, well we kind of know where that conversation would go. But I don't think you were going off at a tangent addressing those things because I know you can sort of look at things such big picture that it's difficult to understand why a particular thing is such a problem. But in this case, you were mentioning and going through all this sort of requirement to continually suck money out of a thing. And it's that that is part of this issue, I think, um, that... These technologies come along. They are touted as maybe a boon. I think there's a big question mark against nuclear power stations, frankly. I mean, one must accept that there's much more effective ways of producing energy than this thing. Uh, They cost an absolute bomb to make, and they are literally a bomb on the ground in many ways. And then, of course, they begin to cut back on the maintenance budget because someone wants to make money. Or they have to meet interest payments to go back to this monetary system. And so the Rack and Ruin that you see on it in this picture, uh, there's a picture there of, um, where is it, Turkey Point, uh, under Florida Power and Lights Control somewhere, Biscayne Bay. I'm not familiar with that area, obviously, but uh, it shows a pretty sort of tawdry setup. And I guess there's going to be more of those incidents around the world. You know, everybody thinks of Chernobyl, but um, because somebody had to make money, oh, we have to cut back on this and we have to cut back on that. And that's all driven by the interest payments on the banking system. So this is another – I mean, you could apply that criticism to just about everything that we're talking about. In fact, you can because it's true. Um, and that's why these things are falling away. There's there's another point um, which is – and I don't know – it's possibly not covered in this article. But there is the strategic danger, as you touched upon, of these things – And I remember reading something a couple of years back that that's why they exist. In other words, if anybody gets uppity in the States and wants to do something a bit different, somebody could say, do you know, we could send a cruise missile to every single one of your nuclear reactors and it would kill most of the population of America. In other words, they're like... Bombs without the fuse,
1: yeah, I didn't think. And so,
0: I did. think they're there for that reason. That's definitely part of the strategic control grid. Yeah, have lots of nuclear power stations because you know what? If you step out of line, we'll we'll blow and up. We can kill half the population of Cleveland or wherever they are. So they are they're little planted bombs, aren't they? And really, nuclear reactors are garbage technology. I mean, it's not impressive. Uh, it really isn't. I mean, and they say, well, we go to fossil fuels, which is also junk as well. And that I spend quite a bit of time looking at, at alternative technology systems and I I can't stand here and say I definitely know that this can be done but one has to assume that I think there's so many technologies that have been put on the shelf and no doubt the military play a great role in that because they must always be ahead of the curve in terms of the sorts of technology that's sitting out in the world. They have to be because if they weren't, they would no longer be a military force, would they? They could say, well, everybody down in that town, they've got technology way in advance of what we've got here militarily, and part of the energy control system is just that. So we, yet again, you know, we have a crummy, an intentionally crummy financial system that turns everybody into a tax cow, and we've got an intentionally crummy energy system here, a nuclear one, which uh, is part of a sort of, um, you know... Uh, blackmail situation. Yeah, well, you know, you've got all that spent nuclear fuel rods, haven't you, sitting around there? What happens if they blow up? Ooh, that would be bad, wouldn't it? So, I think they're there on purpose for that reason. You know, but it's such a low cost way to take out America or any country that's got these things. You just blow their nuclear plants up. Um, I don't know what's going on with Fukushima. Do you?
1: Well, we keep hearing. I mean, there's, it's not something that I've really focused on on my show. I really should get a guest on that's got some good knowledge of this because i've heard people say that you know all the life in the in the pacific is being destroyed and we're not being told about it um it's caused such a catastrophe and loads of marine life has just disappeared um but of course you're never going to hear it from the mainstream but i have actually asked a couple of people I've, I've yet to hear from them who who go on the more environmental line um and uh, actually i've got um uh, frosty waldridge um i uh, did a show with and he was talking about environmental factors as well um right and so that will make for uh, an interesting show um but that's certainly something i really want to address and get a real expert on that but i've i've heard these stories but you see it's all about my my interest has always been in the you know the the Jewish control and, and, and that sort of thing and, and of course at the moment the main thing we look at is this immigration issue and people in America and that actually leads us on to the next article because and I know you're quite excited about this because it's by Pat Buchanan and I understand that you were uh, actually broadcasting Pat Buchanan on the uh, Eurofolk radio, Paul.
0: Yeah, I think we've got a couple of tracks, um, um, interviews with Pat Buchanan <coughs> I can't remember... Can I, remember what, I know what one of them was about. I'm just trying to recall what the second one was about. Um, the first one was an interview really about um, his book called uh, Churchill, Hitler... or is Hitler, Churchill, I can't remember. And the Unnecessary War. Um, which for people may be coming to a, a new understanding or an inquiry into the roots of World War II and that period of history. It's a great book. Um, a little bit slow... I think he's kind of he's quite careful to make sure he doesn't go too far. But the overall gist of it's great, and I think we've got an interview with him. It runs quite often. It's about twenty minutes long. It's excellent because the host—I can't—I can't remember who the host is—is is basically saying you're not going to be too popular with this because you're having a pot shot at Churchill, and of course he's very popular with me over that because as most of us here at Eurofolk Radio know, and elsewhere, we're not—you know—we're not got a monopoly on this. Churchill was not a very good man and was not the good guy, far from it. Um, And in fact, you know, was a walking, talking disaster box his entire life uh, and did practically nothing. He destroyed just about everything that that was good in Britain. He opened the gates and, uh, you know, uh, you could say quite simply that because of him, the immigration issues that we face here in Britain and else all the other problems, uh, you can draw a line straight to him. Um, he fought the wrong people at the wrong time for the wrong reasons and was doing it because he was serving (coughs) the old Talmudic mob. And, um, (coughs) you know, that's part of it. So Buchanan's interviews are good. Uh, I don't know a great deal of him um, historically, and uh, I'm not saying I'm a political supporter of his. But uh, his comments are always, they're very close to looking at the preservation of the white race i now recall actually the other interview was just about that it was about birth rates i think amongst uh, white people and um uh, why they are low and i would suggest they're low because we are inherently a responsible people and people are put under pressure and the guy can't afford children of course that's been organized as well it's been organized so that white people don't have much money because they are tax cows so they're drained down to the level and studied and made sure that they can't breed too much. Because, you know, you don't want lots of intelligent, well-organised white people going around invalidating your poxy idea <laughs> of a one world order. Because that's what it does. Our mere yeah. existence invalidates their garbage. That's the that's the problem. Because um, we can actually do it. We can do all the things. We've done it. And we can do it again if we're not interfered with. Um, so um, that that's part of it. But this is, yeah, GOP voters... Gop. Now, that's Grand Old Party, isn't it? Is that right? I've got that right, haven't I?
1: I've never been sure, to be honest. They refer to the GOP, don't they? But I always know recognise that that's uh, Republican. Um,
0: I, I, I thought it was Grand it Old could, Party, right. but I mean, I could be revealing a real level of stupidity there. So if people are, are listening, hearing this and laughing, get stuck in. Uh, I, that's what I thought it was. Gop voters reject Bush. Republicanism is the title. No, you're right. Patrick grand Patrick Old Pat Party. Buchanan. Yeah, you're right. I just so what it is, it up. yeah? Yeah,
1: it does come up with that. No, well done. Uh, apparently, no. Yeah. it says the Republican National Committee says the acronym dates back to 1875, at which time it meant gallant old party. Ah. So, uh, but, yeah. It's a funny it's word, GOP, isn't it? It sounds yeah. like... Bleh, I don't quite like yeah. it, but anyway, never exactly.
0: mind. Um, that's me being a bit sniffy and British for all you US listeners out there. But... Uh, yeah, and then you've got this lovely photo montage of George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Jeb Bush and Ronald Reagan. And the Bushes just look, it is like a rogues gallery. I mean, yeah. they're about as, you know, wow. Well, basically, what horrible.
1: What, yeah, Trump yeah. has said um, 12 million aliens are here illegally because the Bushes failed to secure America's borders. Of course, he's talking about Daddy Bush and uh, W. Bush, mm-hmm. um, H yeah. W and W, but um, and then it goes into to the end of uh, the article because there's a feeling in America at the moment that um, you know Hillary is going to walk this. I've heard other people say this, but uh, what Pat Buchanan does is he actually gives examples in the article of how um, you know, uh, let's just say here, Hubert Humphrey closed the 15 point gap in the Gallup poll on October the first. Uh, in 1968 to reach a photo-photo finish with Richard Nixon of course Nixon won it It says President Gerald Ford was down 33 points to Jimmy Carter in mid-July 1976 but lost by only two points on election day in February 1980 Ronald Reagan was 29 points behind Jimmy Carter whom he would crush 51% to 41% in a 44-state landslide, uh, and it gives mm-hmm. further examples of this. And I think the idea of the article is just, um, uh, it refers to the fact that Trump still hasn't announced the running, mate, probably do that uh, nearer Cleveland when they have that uh, deal over there. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's just really, it's, it's an article to to give people encouragement that You know, Trump can still win. Um, People have come back from, you know, further in the uh, current ratings than he has to actually achieve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Trump can win the
0: presidency, is the subhead, if he listens to the people and not the establishment. And I suppose from from a perspective here on this side of the pond, it's encouraging to know that the vast majority of US politicians are just as... uh, big bunch of incompetent boobs as the sad saps that we are lumbered with over here. I mean, uh, I, I thought his entire strength so far is that he's obviously he's saying back to the people exactly what's really been going on. I, I read somewhere that he'd done, a, he'd done a lot of research into the real issues before he got going with what appears to be a very simplistic, doesn't it, kind of offhand campaign. But he says all the right things just about at the right time. I'm not i 'm not sort of saying that I support him or anything like that, um, but um it's because uh, you're going to have to see how this all all falls out you know, but um whatever occurs from it, I think that it's it's rumbled something stirred within the soul of white people, certainly in the states uh, here's a guy talking about issues that are really important to the to the white people that built that country, and I think that's very. Very important, and um, you know the fact that in most things he's kind of on line with stuff. I mean, I have, I have colleagues who probably want to throw a punch at me for talking about this over here. <laughs> I tell you what's very funny. Maybe U.S. listeners are not aware of this, but there is this revolting newspaper. It's very comical over here, called the Guardian, which is sort of the hmm. what would you call it, Andrew? The the great banner of left wing liberal retardism. Yeah, I would something like that. Yeah, it's just. Uh, the, the comment sections are just an absolute hoot uh, on The Guardian, and they're always banning all this stuff. What I've noticed is that they, they write these extremely wet, wimpy articles about Trump hurting everybody's feelings. That's basically the gist of it. And then the comment section are basically people ploughing in and saying, but he's right. And you can see that the editorial staff of many of these left-wing liberal papers who have just had an easy ride for 40, 50 years are lost. They don't know what's going on. It's very interesting. I I, I genuinely think that they don't know what's going on. Um, or either that, you know, what's the great conspiracy theory that this is some enormous ploy to suck everybody in and then Trump's going to turn out to be a traitor to this. I think that would be I can't see that happening actually. I'm you know, but I've got my question marks against him. I'm not, I'm sure everybody does. But but many of the things that he's said, no one has been saying those things for a long time and they do need to be said. So it's um, it's it's pretty important. I mean, I don't know what you think. It's the most interesting U.S. election ever, f- from my perspective. I can't remember one that seems to carry so much riding on it. And even recently, he's just starting attacking, um, uh, what's his name, old Clinton, hasn't he, for his uh, sexual <laughs> peccadilloes, which, of course, are probably infinite. And uh, Hillary Clinton is, um, well, I don't really know what that is. It's hard to imagine why anybody could vote for that
1: thing. Well, what, what with is Hillary Clinton, I actually, um, you know, Tom Metzger, a friend of mine, I've done a couple of shows with, he uh, sent me a, a show he did this week. He does his show on uh, go to resist.com. Um, right. And basically, and I found it, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but he played a portion of of it's like a it was the audio but i think it's a youtube and it's 13 minutes of clinton saying what she is and then later on she said she's the complete opposite and then they and and literally they say to her but you've said that you were that oh no oh no and and they play it to her and she just denies it it's just amazing how this woman even got into the position that someone would give her a dollar to finance a campaign. I mean, it is so disgusting, and it's indicative of the world that we live in, that this bold, bare-faced liar is in a position where she might become the most powerful person, so they say, in the world. I mean, obviously we know that the, the Jews, and particularly the Rothschild family and others, control all these individuals. Um, and don't forget, of course, you know, uh, the first Rothschild said give me control of a nation's money and i care not who makes its laws so they're not bothered about who makes the laws or who's going to be in power because they know that deep down they've got the control of the money and so they're going to get people to do what they want uh, i'm encouraged by trump and I, I still have my questions because of the you know the jewish connections and it is uh you, know, you can't ignore that you can't ignore the fact that no. um his daughter didn't just marry a jew she went out with Two other Jews for four or five years each. I believe his other children are involved with Jews and things like that. And and then there's people that have said, you know, he. I mean, Pastor Bob Jones has said that he believes he's Jewish. Uh, I've not seen any other evidence of that, and it's not something that I've looked up. But nevertheless, if I was uh, an American citizen, I had the right to vote, I would vote for Trump uh, because. Either Trump or Clinton are going to get in. Okay, it's as simple as that. And I don't even know if the vote—if they—they they always get get all this vote fraud in America because they've got all these, um, you know, computerized voting systems that, uh, you know, different people have done um, exposures on. Uh, and so you wonder if you're going to get who you want anyway, and if they're going to stand by what they say. But nevertheless, if it. it It's like with the European Union thing that we've got coming up at the moment, Paul. I mean, I'm going to vote to leave the European Union, but if people think leaving the European Union is going to stop all these immigrants coming over, well, maybe they'd like to explain how we got more immigrants than anybody after the Second World War when we weren't in the European Union until the 1970s, or rather that was a common market, the actual uh, EU part didn't kick until the 1990s. So you're living in cloud cuckoo land, if you think that, because history shows different. But I think that you've got two choices, Trump or Clinton. And I mean, you just tick Trump and keep your fingers crossed that he does some of what he said he's going to do. That's all you can do. In my opinion, your, your thoughts, Paul, before you move on to another story.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's it. I mean, I don't, um, what could you say? It may be that that I really would like to see him as president because I think I want to see these English politicians have to kiss his backside yeah. when he comes over here for all the... That's what I want. I want to see their noses rubbed in it. They deserve everything to get. They're such a bunch of preening, self-regarding mediocrities. And... Um, um, you know, many of the things you said, I, I hold them as well. You've got to look at all these Jewish connections. I, looking at him, he didn't look Jewish. He didn't even speak in Jewish patterns. No. I don't think his body language. That would be me, right? But um, hey-ho, we can all be wrong about things. Um, I'd like to see him get in. The idea that people even could vote for Hillary is worrying. To me as <laughs> I'm looking at it.
1: I but mean women will vote for her because she's a woman. That's the real that's the real thing. It's like an OJ She's Simpson not really, Chewy. is she, Andrew? No. <laughs> no. She's, not, it's like the she's Sim- not a woman she's not a
0: woman that you and I would no. you and I would cross the street to avoid something like that. Any yeah. normal male would not be, want to be around that. She's just completely hideous. She's hideous from the inside out, and the whole of her arrogance. It's unbelievable. I mean, she speaks with that sort of wonderfully polished authority that says, you know, that's just totally false. And uh, she's responsible for many, many deaths. She's a warmonger. She gloated over the death of Gaddafi, uh, which she was instrumental in organizing. She was a co-signee, wasn't she, with the Jewess Margaret Albright, oh, I might have got a first name wrong, Madeleine Albright. That's
1: it, Madeline,
0: um, yeah. Who, when asked the question, uh, the death of half a million Iraqi children, is it worth it? Yes, yes, I think it's worth it. Do you? Mm. I mean, we're talking about people who can casually say things like that and are responsible for more death and trouble than anything else. In the De- Democrat Party, uh, more people have died on their watch than anywhere near the Republican Party. They're just completely... And that's because they're children. I, I think uh, highly intelligent, vicious, cruel nasty children of the worst sort. They've got a completely infantile view of everything. They're going to fix things. He just doesn't even need fixing. So she, uh, my detestation of her dwarfs any sort of positive feelings I might feel for Trump. I would base it on that alone. Um, and he, So it's it, it's very intriguing and it's got – when is the election? November? Is it coming up yeah, in November? It? So. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. It's going to be a summer of fun. There's still a lot of communicating to take place. And, uh, uh, you know, I suppose the the fly in the ointment for the Trump supporters is if Bernie Sanders, the great communist, um, uh, runs as Clinton's VP because he brings with him apparently a lot of young people who you must assume are really thick as two short planks.
1: Yeah, Beyond stupid.
0: I mean, it's just sad because he what's he promised them free internet or something i'm showing my age i'm like a middle-aged <laughs> yeah. old duffer what the bloody hells he being promising them you know so uh but i mean what a unbelievably useless human being he is anyway
1: there we go uh, yeah well, I've we've got, got some um,
0: views about these things
1: yeah we've got just about 4 minutes left um all right but uh We've got two articles I've linked together on page 7 and page 8. It's the bottom of page 7. Basically, uh, the first one, America Must Reject New World Disorder Now by Bill White. And uh, it's essentially um, refers to Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev's warning in February that the United States mm-hmm. and its allies are pushing the world towards World War Three, And then that kind of extends in the next article, which is by Ronald L. Ray, The previous article was page seven. This one is page eight. Obama's Russia policy risks war. Military encirclement of Russians increases risk of nuclear showdown. Uh, And and then it just says, uh, quote, since George H.W. Bush, America's policy towards Russia has been one of betrayal and encirclement. So we haven't really got time to go into that, the nuances of that. But basically, we, you and I, can see there's been this big antagonistic. Uh, antagonism sorry towards um Russia even ridiculously in the Eurovision Song Contest when the Ukraine Song won last weekend uh, and it was a political song and political songs are banned from the Eurovision Song Contest folks but because it was an anti-Russian song it won and this is the way stupid things like that that Jews rig and what have you uh, they keep painting Putin to be some complete demon I'm not sure I've seen pictures of him surrounded by rabbis but the actions that he seems to be taking are to protect Russia and protect white people what are your thoughts on Putin we've got two minutes yeah
0: I think so yeah, he's he's there, isn't he? He's playing a smart game. Uh, you never can quite tell. I'm reasonably sure he was trained by British intelligence um, at an yeah, operation in info. Birmingham in the early 1980s. Yeah, but yeah, go there is that a thing, thing in all these circles called blowback. I, I maintain this all the time. You have people who say, "Oh, Hitler was a British agent." Okay, yeah, we know he spent some time here a long time ago. Same for Putin. But there is a thing called blowback, and often the student turns out to be much much smarter than the teacher. And they know what they're doing. And when they get power, things change, you know. So I think that's part of it. And I'm also reminded of that little cartoon that whizzes around when you were talking about uh, US bases. There's a map, isn't there, with all these US military bases. And the comments, something like, why do these countries keep putting, why do these people keep putting their countries next to all our military bases and antagonizing for war? It's kind of this reverse nutcase approach. What are they trying to do? There's no basis at all for a conflict with Russia, is there? Other than that someone's agitator, it's like living in a sort of idiotic cartoon. It's unbelievably dense, um, and we know that the Ukrainian gig was Jewish from top to bottom, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. They got that Jew guy. Yeah, same old, all. same old. Here we go, and they get in the newspapers. Yak, yak, yak. Wine, wine, wine. Good grief! Put a sock in it.
1: Well, they thank you so than much. Sock, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Paul, for really saving me today and jumping in and helping Oh, me I do it the all the time, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, it, and that's great. I've really enjoyed it. It's that's very, great, very true. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for all your help with everything else. And it's great to have you back on the show. We'll have to do it again soon. Thank you everyone for listening. I'm going to play the music now and just to let you know, I just got it we got it done in time. This is going out in forty minutes from when we recorded it. So on that basis I can call it almost live. Thank you, Paul. Thank you everybody. Back with you all soon. Well done. Bye for now. Bye now.
0: You have been listening to the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show on the Eurofolk Radio Network. Andrew's book, The Synagogue of Satan, is now available on his website, andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com, in an updated, expanded, and uncensored edition.